seven uh, in our Prove It series. And so if you have your scripture journal with you, we've got a few of these out there. Still going to be in James chapter four. You can follow along, take notes that way. Uh, we have a few of those available still in the lobby. Or if you prefer to follow along digitally, you can follow in the live event on the Bible app. Uh, and before we hop into the passage today, uh, I just want us to pray. And so uh, I want us to just kind of get a posture of surrender. So if you guys would, if you just put your hands out, you can place them in your lap right in front of you. Uh, palms up, just a, a posture uh, of surrender. All right, go ahead and, go ahead and put your hands out, uh, hands up, up here. Uh, go ahead and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Close your eyes and look around. Take a deep breath. I don't know how you came in here today, uh, but I do know this, that God loves you and he is for you. And so uh, as we get ready to open the Lord, just relax in Jesus as we open God's word together. God, we pray today uh, that we, we want our the posture of our, our hands uh, to match the posture of our heart. Uh, that we would be surrendered. Uh, help us to, uh, to be open to what you have for us in your word. Help us to pour uh, the troubles we have out. Give, we, we give you our full attention. Uh, we want more of you. Speak to us. We know that when your word goes out, it will not return empty. And so, God, uh, today, feed us uh, with your word. Fill us with your spirit. Uh, give us eyes to see what the next step is for us. And, God, uh, we want to use this morning to bring you glory. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Hey. Let's jump right into it. We're going to be in James chapter 4. We're going to start right here at verse 1. It says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Anybody have a sibling that you fought with growing up? Fought with a sibling growing up? Uh, that's just what siblings do, right? They fight, they quarrel. Uh, my boys, they love uh, to wrestle. They love to wrestle and fight. And without fail, when, when they start, um, it, they, it starts out playful, right? Like a little push and a little push and a smile and a laugh. <laughs> and then they keep pushing and it keeps going. Uh, and then it ends up uh, where one of them gets, uh, instead of being just playful, it's who can inflict the most damage on the other person because it's just gone back and forth, right? It started as smiles. Uh, the one got a little hurt and the one was like, I'm going to hurt you more than you hurt me. And the other one's like, no, I'm going to hurt you more than you hurt me. And it just keeps going around and around and around. And if you were to come in on that situation uh, of any kids that are going like that, they're just, it's escalating, they're, they're quarreling, they're fighting. And you ask them, why are you fighting? I'm pretty sure 10 out of 10, they're going to point at the other one. They are always, always going to point at that other one and say, it's their fault. They started it, right? And here, here's the deal. As adults, uh, I would hope that our fights are not physical uh, fights like that, at least I hope not. Uh, but there is plenty of fighting and quarreling that goes on without laying a single hand on somebody else. Uh, we fight with our, our words. And when we get into those kind of arguments, uh, and you were to ask someone who was in that kind of an argument, and ask, why are you doing this? Uh, most of the time they're going to respond, well, they, uh-huh. it's something about them. And so what we see so clearly in kids So why do you quarrel? We quarrel because that comes from the evil desires at war within you. 
things inside of us are why we cry. There's a war inside of you. And yes, that other person may have been the spark, uh, but you're the one who turned that spark into a flame. And we've seen this over and over and over and over again in the book of James. And what he's saying is, whatever's happening on the inside is going to make its way onto the outside. That's just the way that we were designed to operate. There's no way around it. Like your faith is inside of you, it's something personal, but it's going to manifest itself in your words. What's on the inside is going to be on the outside. Your heart, what you keep in there, is going to come out through your words. We've talked about both these things. What's on the inside is going to make its way onto the outside. Before you experience something that you didn't manage within you. Uh, a little, uh, a cool little nugget, at least I thought it was a cool little nugget about that verse. Uh, the words in the original language used for quarrels and fights could literally be translated uh, wars and battles. James is using some strong language uh, to show how, the, how fierce the battle is inside of us. And uh, when you're at war, things look a little different. Imagine, imagine you're a soldier getting ready to go onto the battlefield, right? Probably not just walking a tank top and some athletic shorts. He's going to be ready, right? He's got, the, he's got all kinds of gear on. He's got, like, the, the bulletproof vest. He's got, like, the, the pants with, like, a million pockets in them. He's, he's got all the tactical gear because he wants to be ready and prepared for what's coming ahead. There's a battle, and I, he wants to be ready for it. Uh, we wage war against self because that fire is inside of us. Uh, but here's the deal. A lot of us, we show up with just a short game. We ain't ready. We didn't prepare. We're not ready. And because we, we didn't prepare because we didn't take the enemy seriously. We didn't take him seriously. You cannot take him seriously. The battle inside of you is valid. You have to take it seriously. You can't just acknowledge that it's in there. You have to do So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't ask God for it. That war that rages inside of us is really self-defense. Look, I'm going to do what's best for me. I just... If the chief end of your life is to glorify self, to lift up you, to make it easier for you to let everybody know how awesome you are, if the chief end of life is to glorify self and not to glorify God, uh, you can desire all the things that you want, but you will not get it. You will never have it. Because that evil inside you that, that says, it's about me, that can never be satisfied. It is always going to want more and more. It can never have James says, you want what you don't have. He is talking about the things of the world. The, the things that either one day are going to turn to rust or turn to dust. They will not last. And yet, if we were honest with the time that we spend trying to gain more and more, our focus is more on these temporary things and less on the things of heaven. The things that last forever. It says you scheme and you kill to get it. The first person that most of us kill to get these things is ourselves. We kill ourselves. We, we overwork ourselves by working way too many hours and neglecting our family. We, we kill ourselves by uh, compromising our moral 
like, let me get a pen while you're at it. Why do we do that? Is it because we want that which we don't have? We want the things that we don't have. It's selfish. It's about me getting more. That's what James 4, verse 2. And even when you ask, remember he said you ask, you don't have it because you don't ask God. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what will give you pleasure. You don't get the things you ask for because you're asking for them for all the wrong reasons. God knows that this isn't good for us when we only want uh, things that are, are pleasurable. We only want things that will make us happy. So uh, help me out with an example. I'm going to ask here. Uh, shout out your favorite dessert. What's your favorite dessert? Cookies? Ice cream. Somebody else, come on. Okay, so that's yours, right? Now we're getting somewhere, right? Getting fancy with it. We end up at our game for some desserts, right? Shout out your favorite drink. <laughs> okay, y'all have said water. I ain't, I ain't buying it. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, you wanted to say an alcoholic beverage, and you're like, I can't say that in church. That's what happened there. Okay, but now imagine this. Imagine this. All you drank, all you ate and drank, all right, was, I think I heard somebody say cheese, and all you ate was cookies. Now, those are things that you would find pleasurable, right? But if that was the only thing that you ate and the only thing that you drank, there would come a point where you are sick of it, where it no longer provides that feeling of this is good, that it's not going to provide that feeling. If that was all that you drank and all that you ate, uh, not only would it no longer make you happy, it wouldn't have those feelings of, start to change, your health would be on the fast track for uh, the bottom. That's not good that everyone wants that for you. Uh, let me give you another example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kelsey and I were in Florida for a trip. It was awesome. All right. uh, by the beach, it was beautiful. There was lots of sun. It was warm weather. It was right by the water. Uh, so it had a lot of uh, moisture. And almost every day, for a, a portion of the day, it was either cloudy or like maybe some light, light rain almost every single day. And here's the deal. As much as I would love all sunshine and no rain, uh, all sunshine and no rain is a better way to describe the desert uh, than it is the beach. And the desert is not on a lot of our top vacation destinations. Uh, God's not saying that pleasure is bad. The verse says, you want only what will give you pleasure. That sounds like this recipe for happiness, but it's never going to satisfy. We don't want to overdo it. God doesn't answer our prayers uh, for only pleasure because two things. He knows it's not going to lead us to joy. If we're only asking, I want the things that are going to make me better. I want the things that make my life easier. I, just, I want, I want, I want. It's not going to lead us to joy. He knows this and he never frowns down. We looked at this in James 1 in the very first week. Uh, it says, but when you ask him, this is talking about prayer, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown out and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Can the feelings don't align with God? Like if one of us, if he wants more than what we want, and it doesn't align with him, should not expect to receive anything from God. We have to align our request, we have to align our heart with God. Uh, anything less
something out of this house when we get there. We, we want to get what you want. But I can't understand it. I can't understand it. So I'm not sure what power to read about. Uh, the source of this. Any adulterer, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, but the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace joyously. Like the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what they got? Uh, Something in the past, back then. Uh, An adulterer. I almost put that in yellow just for you guys. I'm about to say adulterer, so I thought that might work out. Go ahead. An adulterer is someone who is unfaithful to their wedding vows. Someone who's made a commitment, I'm going to be faithful to my spouse, and uh, they're not. And James is using that word right here because we are to be faithful to God. We are not to put our hope in anyone or anything else. It says this in Exodus uh, 34, 14. You guys have probably heard this before. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. God has no desire or zeal to share you with anyone. He is jealous. Jealous. Uh, We think of jealousy in a negative light most of the time because, uh, to be honest, most of the time it is a negative thing. Uh, But I can tell you this, I am jealous for Sharing her with anybody. She is mine alone, and I am sharing her alone. That's how it should be. That's what faith is supposed to be. God has no desire to share you with the world because His worldliness and godliness cannot exist. We cannot operate with the morals and values that the world operates with. We have to take our cues from God. We have to take our cues from Scripture. I'm going to go back to this first. Uh, Verse 5 here. Do you think, say this with me in the yellow, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, but the spirit he has placed within us should be to him. The spirit God has placed within you and I is to be faithful to God. Passionate, and the spirit within you, he's given you, is to be faithful to I'm about to say has a little bit of an edge to it. I feel a little bit of a, a bite, a little bit of a kick to it. Uh, and so I want to just back up before I say that. I would say my desire for any message is when you hear the word of God, it makes me squint because it reminds me of God. That's what I want. I, I don't want to give God enough. And, and I don't care whether you're running to God for the first time into his arms or the thousandth time. So, so please hear that before I say this. If you have a consistent history of unfaithfulness to God, maybe you do not know your Father. Because then it says this, when you encounter God, He gives you a spirit of grace. Maybe. Maybe you have not been faithful to God. Maybe you haven't really encountered the living God. 
distinctions. There's a difference between uh, mistakes, moments of weakness. Uh, that's, that's, we're all going to be human. No one's going to be perfect. Hear me out. Uh, but that's different than consistent, habitual disobedience. And I'm not here to tell anybody that you do or don't know Jesus. That's a decision that you and you alone can make. Uh, I'm not calling you to question your salvation. But what I am saying is I don't know certain things, the fruits of godly living, or am I seeing other things? I'm seeing the fruits of this blindness. I'm seeing guilt. I'm seeing shame. I'm seeing this person. And the reason I'm going to ask if the fruit in our lives is different from the fruit that God produces, that we see in Scripture in us, if those two things are different, we have a decision to make. Regardless of where you're at, a good thought, a bad thought, whatever, God gives his grace generously. It says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We we talked about this last week. God's wisdom makes us humble. The world's knowledge makes us proud. God is eager to show his generous grace to you. of my life, the things that are being produced here, do they match up with the things that God seems to be producing? Uh, Proverbs 3, 34 says it this way. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is, I'm going to try that again. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is to the humble. He is gracious everything how it should be, or is there some stuff that maybe you need to work on, or maybe, maybe I don't know my name is Jesus, maybe I'm just trying to bring him out, and I don't know who he is. He is kind, not harsh, he's willing to be admonished. Verse 7 says this, so, I'm going to do it one more time, you got this, you got this, so, yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James is getting uh, practical here, he's getting real practical it all starts with humility. Humble yourself to his ways. Have you ever tried to teach somebody something that they think they already know? It's awful, right? It's impossible to teach someone who they already know uh, because you can't pour more into a cup that's already full. Like it, it doesn't retain what you're trying to teach them. It doesn't work. But when you have someone who is humble and knows that they don't have it all together, you can see great growth. When we say the words, I got this, those are famous last words. Get right up there with hold my beer. Something bad is about to happen if you say, I got this. Because here's the truth. You don't got it. The reason we are above temptation is to not realize the war that we are in. Remember, it is a real battle that is going on inside us. But if we humble ourselves and say, God, God, I don't have this, but you do. That's when God's that last part's going to happen. He's going to flee. Because the enemy knows if he can 
Verse 8 says this. Come to God and God will come to you. Wash you hand, wash your hands, you sinners. Right? Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. What do you call the guy saying that to? Because he's not saying it. Come first to God. She turns two in January, so she's uh, just a baby, toddler age. Uh, she's just really busy. She has an opinion about everything, but she can't talk because she just eh, eh, at us. She just whines at us. Um, so like, she can't feed herself. Like she could, but she doesn't want to feed herself. Uh, but at the same time, she doesn't want us to feed her. So we have to stab the food onto the fork and then put the fork down, and then she'll eat the fork and then she'll put it down and like start yelling at us because we're. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, she wants it done her way, and she is always moving, and she is always going. She is a busy baby. Just busy. Whether she's wanting things done her way or she wants to play with her toys, she wants to do what she wants to do. Uh, has anybody ever tried to strong arm? Uh, uh, it's almost like a, I say strong arm force. Like, everybody ever tried to go steal a hug from a, a toddler? Like, you pick them up, and you're like, mm, I love you, and they're like, no, let me down. I want to go play with my toys. Like, have you, have you ever experienced that? You got them in your arms, uh, like they're there. Physically, they're right where they would be if it was like they came up and gave you a hug, but it's just not the same, right? When they're busy, when they wanna go do what they want to do. Uh, she was sick uh, one day this week, and, and the morning that she was home, didn't go to daycare, she was all about dad. And she just wanted to come and sit with me. And that morning, I let her get as close as she wanted to be with dad. We snuggled up on the couch, got a blankie, watched him frozen. It was great, because I want her to be as close as she wants to be. But we know this experientially, that, that I don't get those sweet baby snuggles when she's busy being a busy baby, right? But when she slows down and wants to be with me, I'm gonna enjoy that time as much as I can. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. It's the same with him. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to be with him, but he, he won't force himself on you. If you want to be close to God, you can get as close as you want. He is always going to be right there ready to receive you. I think that leaves us with this practical question of how do we draw near to God? To draw near to God is to, to come into his presence, right? And so I think the way we do that is with, with prayer and praise, to spend time with him, to worship him, to pray, to open up the word, to see what he has for you. And uh, if those things are reserved as a Sunday-only thing in your life, you won't draw near enough to God. You can't just eat one big meal a week and expect it to sustain you. You gotta keep coming back to the table and eating. And sometimes you do that alone, sometimes with others, but it needs to be a daily habit. A daily habit to go get into the word, to eat it, to take it in, to receive it. You're not gonna have enough in the tank if you don't do that. I got a, a little video I wanna show you guys. Uh, I think it's, maybe one more, here we go. All right. 
All right, so that, that's, that's pretty cute. There is this uh, little bird. We can go to that next one. Uh, it, it's just sitting there, and that young bird uh, just got out of the nest, and he was walking around looking at bugs like, my beak is open. Climb in. Get in there. I'm hungry. And it's pretty cute when you see a little bird doing that. Now, now imagine, hey, we're going to go to Mexican food after, after service today. We're going to go to Ted's. Uh, you walk into Ted's, you see a perfectly able-bodied 25-year-old with their mouth open saying, feed me. It's, it's no longer cute, right? But that's a problem. Homie's got to learn how to feed himself. He's too old to be doing that. Here's the deal. Church, there are too many believers who just settle for coming to church and saying, feed me. They're gonna get spiritually fed on a Sunday from someone on stage, and then they're gonna be spiritually malnourished the rest of the week because they never learned how to eat it for themselves. If you want to be fed a good, uh, I want you to be fed a good and spiritual meal, uh, a filling meal when you get here, but guys, that's not enough. Once a week is not enough. Your walk with Jesus needs to be more than that. You cannot be dependent on someone else giving you the word. You need to jump in and take it in for yourself. I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. You draw close to God by spending time with him and getting into his word. Here's the amazing part. When you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. He's waiting right there. Don't be like that little bird that's just waiting for, for the food to jump in. You gotta get up, you gotta pick up, you gotta receive it. You gotta go get it. It can't just be once a week. We've got two more verses. Verse nine says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Um, we have all made mistakes. Everyone in here has regrets, and, and that's okay because uh, that our mistakes, they don't make God want to retreat. They don't make God want to pull away from us. James isn't saying that we need to live these depressed lives where we're just all gloom and doom uh, instead of joy. There's, he's talking about a little bit more there. Let's check out this next verse. It's Ecclesiastes 7, verses 3 and 4. It says, sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. A fool thinks only about having a good time. It's okay to have tears for the things that you've done, for the sorrow and the grief, that's okay. Because those things have a refining influence on us that, to be honest, uh, you don't get those kind of refining, molding, shaping things when you're on the mountaintop, when things are going well. God wants to use those mistakes, those regrets, not to push you away, but to make you come to him. He wants you to run to him. He wants to be there with you. Last verse right here, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. 
Humility precedes honor. Got to be humble. That humility precedes honor. Uh, and this is just a, a biblical principle. Uh, my son Coop, he's working on his basketball skills. Season's right around the corner. All right, he's putting some work and effort into that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe this was last week, he was working on his, he wanted to go between the legs, which is like, he's all about going between the legs, even though it's like not. Anyways, uh, he wanted to do this between the legs. He wanted to do a spin move and then into a jumper. And uh, he was having fun with it. And he probably tried that thing 20 times where he was just trying to go between the legs and spin and the ball would go flying and go everywhere. Uh, he couldn't get it. And then uh, he kind of got it where he could get it most of the time. And then it probably took him another 10 times to where he would do it and have his foot so that he could actually uh, make the shot. And then he made it. Uh, and his face lit up. He was so stinking proud of himself. I was proud of him too. Let's go. You got to be a little humble to try something uh, 20 times plus and fail at it 20 times plus. But he got that moment where he got it. The next day we go to practice and we're, he's working on some footwork stuff, like getting our feet in the right spot. And uh, he was really struggling. He could not get it down. He couldn't get it right. And he got a little frustrated with himself. And so I just paused. I, I said, hey, here's the why. Here's why we need to do it this way. And I know this seems like an inconvenience to you because you can do it your way and you can make the shot. Because, son, I'm not thinking about you just making the shot. I'm thinking about the next thing. I'm thinking about a little bit bigger than that. I'm thinking down the line, not what's just gonna help you right now, but what's gonna help you now and in the future. Even though it was hard and he didn't fully understand what I'm saying, he kept working at it. Not just doing what works right now, I wanna set you up for what works down the line. He kept working. We need the same attitude in our relationship with God. It might not be going the way you want. God, it's not going the way I want, but God, I trust you, and I'm gonna keep working at it. Gotta keep working at it. And here's the deal. It's not that your way won't work right now. Just like Coop, he could have made that shot his way where it was kind of this circus shot. But when you do things God's way, it's timeless. It lasts. It doesn't fade away. It's not gonna rust. It's not gonna turn to dust. He is, his way is always better in the long run. Don't trade a short-term gain doing it your way for a long-term loss. God wants to do a work in your life. You have to keep working at it. When you humble yourself like that, God will lift you up in honor. He doesn't give us a time frame on that. Don't worry about the timing. Focus on humbly following God and drawing near to him. Draw near him. The time will come. As we wind down, just a few questions I want you to to chew on, to ponder, to think about. What's my posture towards God? What is your posture towards God? Is it surrender and humility? Or is it uh, rigidness and pride? What's your posture towards God? Uh, do I have things I need to, to weep over? It's okay to let sorrow have its refining influence. You have to process that. You can't just hold on to it. What's the next step for me to draw closer to God? What's the next step? 
Do I need to accept Christ as my savior? Or maybe I just need to invite him to be a part of my everyday life. I need to make time for him. What's your next step to draw closer to God? Here's what's amazing. All over this room, there's different people. You could feel really close to God. You could feel far away from God. Wherever you're at, that next step, he is waiting to receive you. He wants to be with you. He's right there. Let's pray. God, we want to draw close to you, to be humble, to see your generous grace at work in our lives. That's what we want. With our eyes still closed, is there, is there anybody here who would just say, you know what, I want to draw closer to God. If that's you, I want to draw closer to God. Would you just raise your hand? It doesn't, say, it doesn't mean you're far from God, it's just saying, I want more of God. Amen, amen. If that's you, just raise your hand, hold it high. Um, if anybody else, I'll wait, give you just one more second. I want to be closer to God. Thank you. God, I pray for those whose hands uh, have been raised. Help us, help me uh, to draw closer to you. God, we know that uh, you will be there to draw us in closer. Let us rejoice that we can have a deep and intimate relationship with you. Um, maybe you're here and you realize that uh, as you examine your life that there's really not a ton of room for God in it. You've been trying to go through life on your own. Uh, friend, God is for you and he does not want you to go through life alone. And with all of our eyes closed, uh, uh, if you have never prayed this prayer before, I just ask you to do this with us. Uh, everybody in this room, just pray this out loud with me as we pray. God, I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins by the power of the cross. I follow you the rest of my days. Amen. Everybody look up right now. If you've made a decision today, whether that's to give your life to Christ or, or maybe it's just to make an effort to draw closer to God, whatever it is, don't keep it to yourself. Everyone in here wants to celebrate the decisions you're making. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with someone. We want to be there with you. Let's stand and worship with one last song together. This song's called Build My Life. And just with what Logan was saying earlier, it's really hard to build a life if the only time you're working on that life is on Sunday morning. So if you'll just sing this out. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken and I will build my life upon your love. 
It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken, and I will build my life upon your love. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Perfect. Hey, next week, 
Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's how much candy we have out there. We're gonna tell kids, sorry, Refuge Church doesn't have enough candy for you guys. We need you guys to step it up, bring some more candy next week. Can we do that? <laughs> we'll have two people bring candy next week, all right? I don't think that's gonna be enough. There we go. Hey, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know uh, that we have Starting Point every week after service. If you have not been to Starting Point, today is the day we want you to come and be a part of it. Hey, child care is provided. Oh, we got snacks. Uh, you get a free T-shirt that goes to Refuge, uh, and it's going to take about 20 minutes. And it's really just a great way for us to get to know more about you and also for you to get to know a little bit more about us. If you are interested in coming to Starting Point this week, got our Starting Point host, Ryan, right there. Let's give it up for him. Looking good holding that sign. Go and give him a high five, shake his hand. If you make any sort of contact with him at all, physically you touch him, just a high one, uh, he's taking you to starting point, all right? So just know, his job is to be as welcoming as possible and to give you a high five, a handshake, all right? And that's binding in the state of Oklahoma. So uh, if you wanna go to a starting point, it takes about 20 minutes, it's a great time. Uh, Go see Ryan and he will get you taken care of.